Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, do open our eyes now. Take away all the distractions that would draw us away from our Lord Jesus and let us, we would see Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Oh, Genesis chapter 41, verse 38, 41, 38. Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there's none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, see, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it upon Joseph's hand, arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, put a gold chain about his neck, and he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, bow the knee. And they made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paneah, and he gave him to wife Azaneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid it up in the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up on the same. Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much, until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Azaneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. Okay, now, in our last study, you remember how we saw here that as we've been seeing here, Joseph was exalted, and you saw the emphasis as we're reading here. This continual emphasis, ruler over Egypt, ruler over Egypt, ruler over all the land, as Pharaoh put it. And we saw how Pharaoh tried to put Joseph through this Egyptianization process. (laughs) A new Egyptian name, a new Egyptian wife, and we also took notice of how Joseph got right to work 
And you see that particularly at the end of verse 45 where it says, and Joseph went out all over, he went out over all the land of Egypt. And we saw how old Joseph was. He was young he, when he became ruler in Egypt in verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Just 30 years old, that's all. Last time we saw when he was back at home with the brothers, he was 17 years old when he was sold as a slave. Now he's 30. So Joseph's family has not seen Joseph for 13 years. 13 years, it's been 13 years. I mean, just think back. Can you remember what happened 13 years ago from today? Do you remember things? Can you remember the tsunami that hit Indonesia and wiped out all those people? Do you remember when Ronald Reagan died? Can you remember when President Bush got his sec- as elected to his second year? That was 13 years ago from today. So that's how long it's been since Joseph's people have seen Joseph alive. And the amazing thing is that they have been completely ignorant of what's happened to Joseph. They have no idea that Joseph is now the ruler of Egypt. Reminds us of the Lord Jesus Christ. The last time the people people of the Lord Jesus Christ, the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the Jewish people. The last time they saw him, he was dying on a cross. He was put into a tomb. And just like Joseph, they have no idea that he's been exalted to rule over all men. As it says in Psalm 8, verse 6. Psalm 8, verse 6, which says, thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. It's all emphasized in Psalm 2, where God says he puts his king upon his holy hill of Zion and says, it's ask me and I'll give you all the nations for your inheritance. You'll break them with the rod of iron. Psalm 110, verse 1, it says, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. In John 3, 35, he said, the father loveth the son and hath given all things into his hand. And then the verse that, that we oftentimes quote, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18, Matthew 28, 18, where it says, Jesus said unto the Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. But the Jewish people are completely, they don't know this at all. And the Jewish people in Canaan had no idea that all this had happened to Joseph. And so just as the Joseph's people were not aware that all power was given unto Joseph, so the people of the Lord Jesus, the Jewish people, they're just not aware that all power has been given unto him in heaven and earth. So Joseph now, he's been exalted to be this ruler, this great ruler with all this power, all this authority, people bowing the knees to him, people proclaiming him, hailing him as the ruler, and he can do whatever he wants now. He's a free man. He's a free man. He could say, uh, okay, you know, tomorrow you guys get, uh, get, a, get a few chariots ready and uh, we're just gonna take this journey. It won't take long. We're just gonna take this journey over into Canaan here because I wanna go visit my family. He could have done that. He was a free man. And so here's the question. When Joseph became a free man over Egypt, Why do you think that he did not decide to visit his family? After all, been away for 13 years. Why do you think? 
Oh, okay. He made a pledge to Pharaoh that he was going to do a job for Pharaoh. So first of all, we saw this, that Joseph had this extreme sense of urgency. There was a sense of urgency for a job to be done. And we saw this in the end of verse 45 and the end of verse 46 when it says, and Joseph went over all the land of Egypt. And then it says, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. As soon as Joseph left Pharaoh, left that meeting there, he didn't say, well, okay, now where's my new living quarters? <laughs> let's, let's get this straightened. I got to get my place straightened out here. You know, I, you know, I, I want my bed just so. I want it, the furniture just arranged this way. So first things first, you know, and um, he didn't do that. What he did was he, as soon as he had the power, he said, go get a chariot ready because I'm going to go throughout all the land of Egypt and off he went because he was filled with this sense that there was a great work that needed to be done. And that work was salvation work. That was salvation work. Egypt as a country needed to be saved from the coming years of famine. And that work, that salvation work was more important to Joseph than even his own family. And so the plenteous years, they were just starting when Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh. But Joseph knew that those years of plenty were only temporary and that the years of death by starvation were coming. He knew that. And Joseph was so convinced there was no evidence that there was coming the years of uh, death by starvation. There was no evidence for that. But Joseph was so convinced that the years of death by starvation was, were coming that it drove him into an immediate action. It's what Joseph knew that drove him. It's what Joseph knew about the future that drove him. It was Joseph's knowledge of the future that drove him into his present action. Joseph knew what must be done, what must be done now to avoid the death by starvation. And it was his knowledge of what must be done now that drove Joseph into an immediate action. So there's a great life lesson in this. When we look at this, there's a great life lesson for us. Because just as Joseph knew that the years of death by starvation were coming, were approaching, we're like Joseph. We are like Joseph. We know that an eternal death in hell is coming for every lost person. As it says in Hebrews 9.27, Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. It's crystal clear when it uses this word whosoever in Revelation 20.15, Revelation 20.15. This is a great word, whosoever. As Romans says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But in Revelation 20, 15, it says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I mean, we know that every person will be cast, every lost person will be cast into the lake of fire. We know that. And just as Joseph also knew what must be done now, 
to avoid these coming years of death by starvation. We're like Joseph and that we know what must be done now to keep people from going into this eternal death of hell. And just as Joseph had to collect food now for Egypt to avoid death by starvation, we're like Joseph and that we know that what the lost have to do, we have to get the lost to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their God and Savior in order for them to avoid being cast into the lake of fire. And just as it was during the years of plenty, when it didn't look like there was any coming years of starvation, was the farthest thing from people's mind. So we live on a beautiful earth, and in the good times where it doesn't look like there's any lake of fire that the lost are going to be cast into, we live in San Diego of all places, where you know a lake of fire is the farthest thing in your mind. There's not even a red pool, red hot springs like there is in Beipu in Kyushu, Kyushu, where when I visited that, red color because of the the earth, and is coming up very, very hot, so hot that you can boil eggs in it. And they do. They have a restaurant right there. They give you an egg, you can boil it. (laughs) The name of that lake, they call it hell. But we don't even have anything like that. But in spite of how it looked all around Joseph, and just as it was It was what Joseph knew that convinced him to be driven into action in spite of the surroundings. So we're like Joseph, that in spite of how beautiful the days are here in San Diego, it's what we are convinced of that drives us into action. And just as Joseph did fly into action right out of that meeting, he flies into action right out of the meeting with Pharaoh, right into the work immediately, of collecting food to save Egypt from the death by starvation. We're like Joseph, and that we need to fly out of this church into the work of preaching the gospel to get the lost saved from being, get them from being cast into the lake of fire. And when Joseph flew into action with that sense of this deep urgency that was driving him, everyone looked at Joseph, everyone was convinced that Joseph was convinced that there were the coming years of death by starvation. And we're just like Joseph. If we fly into action with that same sense of urgency that Joseph had, then the lost are gonna be convinced that we're convinced that there's a coming being cast into a lake of fire for all the lost. So this was the first reason why Joseph did not return home to visit his family when he was a free man and he could have because the work he had to do was so important of gathering food to save Egypt from the death by starvation that that's why he didn't do it. Okay, can anyone think of another reason why Joseph did not, decided not to visit his family? Oh yeah, he wanted, okay, good. So he was preparing for them actually and when he was doing all this as well. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, so Joseph did not visit his family because of this reason, as Clinton was saying, he was really taking care of his family when he was gathering the grain. It's actually a very good, very good answer. But it wasn't one I was thinking of, but it's, it's great. But another reason was that Joseph was just not led by the Lord to return. I mean, it was evident from what, from what the people that saw there, this was a man in whom the Spirit of God was in. And that meant that Joseph was led by that spirit of God that was in him. As a matter of fact, that's what it means to be a child of God. That's the definition 
of being a child of God in Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the sons of God. So Joseph did what the Spirit of God led him to do, and the Spirit of God did not lead him to go visit his family because the Spirit of God was leading his family in another direction, which is described for us in Romans 2.4. Romans 2.4 says that it's the goodness of God that leads the to repentance. So Joseph was convinced it's not the time for him to go visit his family. It's not the time. And we work very, very hard to see any person, and especially in my case, to see any Jewish person be saved from the lake of fire. But we also realize that for the Jewish people, we have not yet reached the point of what the Bible calls afterward. Afterward for the Jewish nation. See, it says in Hosea 3, Hosea 3, 4, it says in Hosea 3, 4, for the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, without a teraphim, afterward, that's the word, afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So we realize that today, God has gone to his place, and he's waiting, as he said in Hosea 5.15, Hosea 5.15, God says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they shall seek me early. And as Clinton said, he knew the dearth was coming, so they're going to know that affliction. And we realize the time is not yet. The time is not yet for the Jewish people, but it's coming when the Jewish people will say the words in Hosea 6, Hosea 6, 1, Hosea 6, 1, which says, these are the words of the Jewish people, when they'll say, come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, he will heal us. He has smitten, he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain. All right, what a day for that. As the latter and the former rain unto the earth. So that was the second reason, or you could say as Clinton said, the third reason the reason that he said was that he was preparing for the safety of his family by gathering up enough grain for them. But there's the second reason that Joseph did not go back home. He was not led to go back home. He was not led. Okay, now, Joseph might have been afraid for his family. He might have said to himself, you know, they're gonna starve to death while I'm out here gathering, I mean, after the, the grain has been gathered and the years of starvation have started. I mean, that fear for that Joseph might have had for his family might have driven Joseph to go visit his family so they would not be killed by the coming years of starvation. But Joseph was not worried about his family. He was not worried about his family being killed by the coming years of starvation. 
Why was not Joseph worried about his family being killed, his brothers being killed by the coming years of starvation? What assurance did Joseph have that none of his family would die? The dreams, the dreams. And what specifically in the dream was there? They bowed down. How many stars were gonna bow down? 11, 11 stars were gonna bow down. That's it from Genesis 37, nine. Genesis 37, nine, it says that he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said, behold, I have dreamed a dream more and behold the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. Those 11 stars were his 11 brothers. And so Joseph knew from his dream that all of his brothers were gonna come and bow down to him. And since that had not happened yet, he knew they weren't gonna die until they had bowed down to him. So Joseph had this assurance from his dream that his family would be kept safe even during the coming years of famine, and he didn't need to go home to visit this family. So that's, a, that's another reason he did not return home. So these reasons, take Clinton's four reasons that he did not go to visit his family when he became a free man, and he could have. The work was too urgent for him to take time off. He was actually taking care of their safety by gathering up all the grain, He was not led by God to visit the home. He had assurance from his dreams that they would not die. So now the the years of plenty are in full swing in verse 47, verse 47, and in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. That's a wonderful, there's several wonderful parts about that little statement there. But describing the earth as bringing forth, as bringing forth, you know, when it says the earth, brought forth. It's like you can see this giant hand coming out of the earth and saying here, you know, in delivering food to man. You know, one of the prayers, Hebrew prayers, the Jewish prayers to bless God is to say, is after you have the first part, which is, you know, blessed art thou, O Lord. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, God of the universe. Then it says, Hamotzi lechem min haaretz. Hamotzi lechem min haaretz, which means, bless God, for bringing bread out of the earth. That's what that phrase means. Hamotzi lechem min haaretz. It means for bringing bringing bread out of the earth. I mean, that's something you. I mean, that's something we never get over. I mean, it's amazing to look at dirt, <laughs> dirt. And it brings forth food to us. It brings, God makes bread to come out of dirt. <laughs> That's a, anyway, this is captured for us when we see this in uh, verse 47. And in the seven plenty of years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. Now, the description by handfuls reminds us of how, of how important it is for us to open our hand and give because God's watching us. God's watching us, and he promises he's going to pour out a blessing to us in response if we give to others. And that's what he says in Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. (laughs) That's quite a scene. Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you. Again. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the earth? Do you believe God created you in his image? Then come celebrate Museum Day at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Museum Day is a Christian family festival event with life-size dinosaurs, games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, vendor booths, petting zoos, live animal encounters, and super science experiments for kids, along with world-renowned speakers Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, David Reeves, Russ Miller, Kevin Conover, Dr. John Baumgartner, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements for you and your family and entire church family are free. The Creation and Earth History Museum is located off of Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. So bring your family and friends on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and strengthen your faith at Museum Day. For more information, call us at 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org, creationsd.org.